It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the one and only, I got Mean Gene in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at MeanGene0022. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, here we go, Gene. UFC 267. This one's going to go ahead and take place in Abu Dhabi. You guys can go ahead and you can pay for this one. On ESPN Plus, it's only going to cost you a couple bucks. You don't have to pay that big pay-per-view amount. And this will start here, I believe, early in the morning. Right, Gene, on Saturday? 10.30 Eastern time for the prelims. And then the main event will be 2 p.m. Eastern. All right, that's going to be cool. And this is going to be a really good card here, Gene. Uh, 30 fighters in this one. Only one from the U.S., which I think is actually quite interesting. That'll be uh, Corey Sanhagen. But, you know, it's going to go ahead. He's going to give the audience a good chance to see, you know, a lot of the European, Russian, Asian fighters on this card. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Now, Gene and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to run through the main card. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to throw one of the prelims in there. Now, Gene already knows uh, which fight I already had picked out on the prelims. And that involves Amanda Rebus. Uh, Finally, Gene, we're going to go ahead. We're going to get to see her. Uh, Last time we saw her, uh, that was on the McGregor Poirier 2 card. And she actually was scheduled for a bout with Angela Hill, but she got scratched due to um, COVID. So she's on the card. We'll go ahead. We'll talk about that. Main fight, you got Jan Blahovich against Clover Teixeira. That will be the main event. That should be interesting. You got Pitcher Jan against Corey Sanhagen. Makachev's on here. Uh, he's going to go ahead. He's going to square up against Dan Hooker. Uh, this card's just stacked, Gene. Volkov, Tibera. Uh, you got Ankalaev and a bunch of other guys. So this is going to be good, Gene. And it's been a while since we had a chance to talk. Now, we're going to talk again next week as the UFC has another big event. Uh, but this card's stacked, Gene. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk for a brief second on how excited you are, you know, for this particular card. As you said, it's stacked. The thing I like about this one is with COVID, a lot of these guys haven't been able to fight. It's It's been, you know, eight, eight months to over a year that these guys haven't fought. So I like that the UFC is making a quick trip over to Abu Dhabi to allow some of these international fighters who haven't been able to travel to the U.S. to, to finally get some fights in. And it's a pretty stacked card, like you said. You got two title fights at the top, and then you got Islam Makachev, potentially the future lightweight champion as your feature bout. So I'm really excited about it. Some intriguing matchups as we go down the card. Chemayev's back. You know, there's a lot of hype behind him. Um, Volkov, you know, one of the better heavyweights. He gets to get back in there and, and get back on a streak. And even if you go lower into the prelims, there's some names and some fights that are, are really interesting. So I'm super excited. I like how they're doing it back-to-back. I love that it's free. I like that it's in the morning, um, on, on, you know, Saturday morning for free on ESPN+. Plus. So I'm loving everything about this card. Yeah, it's action all day, wall-to-wall. I mean, you got football, you got basketball, you got the UFC. Uh, it should be interesting. Gene, let's go ahead and just jump into our prelim fight that we want to go ahead and cover here with Amanda Rebus. Uh, she's going to go ahead. She's going to headline the prelim. She's taking on Verna Jandaroba. Rebus right now, minus 165. Gene, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to let you go ahead and start on this one first. Yeah, so I'm interested, like you had said at the top, she hasn't fought since uh, January. She got knocked out by Marina Rodriguez, another uh, one of the top fighters in that division. So no shame, shame in that loss, but there's a lot of hype behind her. She's a bubbly personality. She's very, her personality is infectious. So media wise, the UFC loves that. In the cage, she's super talented. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, black belt. She's a good striker as well. She Typically her game is she wants to grapple with you, get you to the ground. 
and ground and pound and lock up a submission. So she goes into that fight against Marina Rodriguez with a lot of hype on that McGregor card and ends up getting knocked out. And I'm, I'm happy that she took the 10 to 11 months off to get right. You know, a lot of these fighters get knocked out, come back really quick, and it's it's normally not good for them. So I'm glad that she took the time off, went back to the drawing board, and she's fighting a, a woman in Jandaroba who's really tough. You know, she had a, a, a tough fight against Mackenzie Dern, a close back and forth fight, but she ultimately lost. She came back, fought Murata, and ended up beating her via doctor stoppage. And she looked good in, against Murata. Uh, and she looked pretty solid against Mackenzie Dern, too. Um, but when it comes to this matchup, both of these women cancel each other out. Janda Robe is going to want to get this down to the ground. She's she's physically strong. She likes to get in close, get into the clinch, take her opponent down to the ground, and utilize her jiu-jitsu. She's really good off of her back. She likes to lock up arm bars. She has nasty arm bars from the guard. But Rebos is the same. You know, ultimately, Rebos wants to get the fight to the ground and lock up submissions as well. She's really good in top position. That's the one thing I really like about her is when she gets her her opponent down to the ground, she does a good job of controlling them and keeping them down there for the entirety of the round. So, um, but Janet Robe is strong, so I want to see that matchup. Will Janet Robe be able to get up on the feet though? There's a clear advantage on on the Rebos side. She's more aggressive. She moves forward. She has better foot movements. She also use, utilizes kicks here and there as well. She's just she's a more diverse striker on on the feet. She's going to have the reach advantage, two inch reach advantage as well in this fight. And I look for her to to outpoint Janda Roba on the feet. And you, you see this a lot when you have two good wrestlers or two Brazilian Jiu Jitsu fighters that are really good and at their craft. It ends up being a, a stand up fight and. I have a feeling that that's how this is going to go. Is is Janet Robo really going to want to get her to the ground? Is Rebos, when she knows that she has the advantage on the feet and she can pick her apart from the outside, is she really going to want to take it to the ground? I don't think so. I think this is going to be contested on the feet. And I think Rebos is going to do enough on the feet to to pick Janet Robo apart. As long as she avoids her power, she should win this fight uh, standing. If it goes to the ground... She's got the skills there as well. But the, the line at minus 165, I think, is warranted for, for Rebos. Uh, Janet Roba is definitely a live dog, but I'm going with Rebos here. I, I think she has her covered everywhere, and I really believe the striking is going to be a difference in, in this matchup. All right, salt stuff there, Gene. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Rebus to at minus 165. Now, we talked about this, you know, about a year ago, Gene, that the UFC was trying to make her – you know, one of the women faces of the sport and then, you know, COVID kind of derailed that. And then uh, Marina Rodriguez happened and, you know, Rebus, I don't think she was actually ready for that fight. And there's, you know, there's really no shame for losing to Marina Rodriguez, but Rebus, in my opinion, is probably better at, at every stage here, Gene, except maybe one. Uh, I have Rebus as the better striker, the better grappler, better cardio, but Jenna does have some pretty sick submission game. And if if Rebus could probably avoid that or avoid those attempts, uh, I just don't see how she doesn't get her hand raised here. I think the UFC, you know, gave her this fight for a few reasons. I'm a little surprising that she didn't make the main card, but you know, this is the fight to go ahead and put her, you know, on the main cards if she can go ahead and win, you know, for the future. And Rebus to me, Gene, you know, I'm a fan of her, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into the main card? But that's what I like for that one. Uh, first fight on the main card here, we got Magomed Ankalaev. He's minus 310 versus Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one first there, Gene. I think this one's pretty clear cut. 
And I will say this about this card, Gene. A lot of big favorites in this one. So uh, I'm guessing we, we're maybe we're going to find a dog here that we like. I have one dog on the card, but uh, a lot of big favorites for this one. Yeah, it's it's tough betting, you know, for this card because, yeah, like you said, a lot of these lines are ridiculous. Some of them are warranted. Some of them aren't. But even the ones that are, it's tough to go with the dog um, because the favorite is just – there's a reason why they are the favorite. They're that much better. But it's it's the value, you know. You get tempted by the value with a lot of these, with a lot of these fights. And we'll get to it. I'll point some out. And um, this kind of being one of them, let's start here. You know, you have Magomed Ankalaev, who's – a lot of people feel like he's the future light heavyweight division, that he's going to be a champion. The guys look spectacular. The thing that's most impressive about this guy, he doesn't get hit. You know, his output is is pretty good. He's not low volume. He's not super high volume, but he does a good job of being active. But he does a good job of avoiding damage himself. And he's well-rounded. He's a good striker, throws vicious kicks. He also does a good job on the ground as well. He, he, he's good defensively, like I said, on the feet. Um, he can be outstruck on the feet volume-wise, like I had said, but he's excellent with his distance, uh, distance management. The thing for him here is the the guys that he's fought. He hasn't fought like the who's who, whereas his opponent, Ozemir, has fought the who's who. If you look at his resume, it, it's incredible. He's fought like literally you know, top five guys in the light heavyweight division and those are the guys he typically loses to. Ozemir's got big power, good hands. Um, but the problem with him, he, he gasses himself out. He, he's really live in the first round. He comes out fast, hard, throws big, big, big punches. But if he doesn't get you out of there, he tends to gas himself out into the second and, and third round. As for the line, like I said, I, I do feel like the line is a little bit wide here. But Ankalaev deserves to be a favorite. Um, and, and a pretty big favorite, just minus 300, I think. It's kind of crazy because Ozdemir is legit. Like I said, his resume speaks for itself. He's got power. But I feel like Ankalaev's got this guy covered. As long as Ankalaev just doesn't doesn't get rocked by, by one of Ozdemir's punches in the first round, there's no reason why this guy shouldn't win. Um, he, he he reminds me of a Diaz with his striking. You know, he, he throws it like 65, 70 percent. He, he, he hurts you, but it's more with the volume in the sense of he's going to 70, 70, 70, 70, and then he'll come through with like a 90 or 100% uh, power shot, and he wears down his opponents. Um, and he's good everywhere. He's, he's good with the uh, defensive wrestling. He's good offensive wrestling, good defensive striker, good offensive striker. So um, I look for Ankalaev to to get it done. I do think it's going to go to a decision here. Ozemir's even though he gasses, he's pretty tough. He can take a shot. Um, and Ankalaev, like I said, he's not the highest volume striker, and he does just enough to, to get the victory, especially if you go back to his last fight against uh, Kurlaev. He did just enough to get the victory. It was clear cut that he won, but he does get finishes, but he doesn't often look for those finishes. So uh, in this fight, with Ozemir being pretty tough, I, I look for him to uh, to just win, win, win two or three rounds, maybe win, win all three rounds, but... Um, he's going to be Ozemir here, and it'll be by decision. All right. First off, I don't agree with the price, and and that's I think that's pretty fair to say there, Gene, that you agree with me. If you like the dog and Ozemir, I, I actually think you're getting a very good number here. I can't take him, though. It's going to be a competitive, but I think Ozdemir might not actually have the cardio you know, to last, in my opinion. The first wager that I found, Gene, I actually like quite a bit, and I think there stands a good chance, actually, to go the distance, as you agreed, 
but I like this one to get into the third round, and you could get that at minus 105. Now, you could play over two and a half rounds, but you're going to end up having to pay a bunch of juice on that, and I want to avoid paying, you know, uh, as much juice as I possibly can, but I want to avoid, you know, the first fight of the day. I don't want to eat a ton of juice, so uh, I do see this one getting into the third, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to bet that uh, yes to get into the third round, minus 105. And, you know, the main reason I don't want to go ahead and bet to go to the distance is because, as I had mentioned, Ozmir's cardio. And I wonder maybe, you know, if he if he gets, you know, if he just, you know, gases out there in the third, you know, if he gets choked out or something like that. And it's it's certainly not out of his world to go ahead and find ways to lose, you know, whether it's by KO or whether by submission. But, but I do think he lasts long enough uh, to get through two full rounds to get me into the third. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do that there, Gene fight to go ahead and get into the third round between Uncle Ive and Ozdemir at minus 105. Let's jump into our next one here, Gene. This one's intriguing because I was watching the uh I was watching the the interviews last night and I watched the press conference. We have Li Jing Liang versus Kazmat Chemaev. He's gonna be a monster favorite here, Gene, minus five seventy five. And I can't see him, you know, not getting this one to the mat. A lot of ground and pound against Jing Liang. Eventually, uh, Chimaev is probably going to figure out a way, you know, with just his massive build to go ahead and get him down and uh, and probably just ground and pound this one. I think if he could go ahead and he could avoid, you know, that big bomb, because I, I, like last night, like I was like, yo, this dude's big, man. Like that, that Li Jing Liang dude, um, he's no small fry. And I mean, he looked like he could pack a punch, dude. Like I would not want to get hit by that dude. And I, I, I see the confidence in him just just within the press conference. Like, he actually believes he can beat this dude. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play this one, Chimaev, by submission. You, you guys can go ahead and get that at plus 225. Uh, and I'll probably end up looking at him also, Gene, straight up in a parlay. Uh, I just don't see how he loses this one. I think that – I don't want to say it's a long time coming, Gene, but I think we've just been waiting for him forever to get back in the octagon because, you know, we've seen him just completely dominate guys before. And this line is suggesting that here's another fight where he's going to completely dominate. So uh, I'll play him pizza bet plus 225 submission. And I'll also use him straight up uh, in a parlay. What do you got for that one? Absolutely love your angle on that. Absolutely love it. Um, you're spot on. I mean, this this guy, he should run through uh, Li Jiang in the first or second round. Uh, we've we've been waiting for this guy to come back. There's a lot of hype behind him. And, and, it, and it's it's understandable hype. I mean, the guy, he's three and in the UFC. He's absolutely destroyed every single one of his opponents. Unfortunately, he caught COVID a bad bout with COVID and, and bad bout with COVID in the sense of he got COVID. And a lot, like a lot of these fighters, they try to, they try to just power through these injuries or power through these sicknesses. And that's what he did. Um, doctor told him not to train. He ended up ignoring the doctor and started training and he, it affected his lungs. It got to the point where he actually retired for a few weeks he had a couple meetings with the UFC, UFC, um, Dana White, let him know like, Hey man, just relax. You know, there's no rush for you to get back. Cause he had a big fight. He was supposed to fight Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is number one contender in the welterweight division. I mean, if he would have beat Leon Edwards, I'm not saying he would have fought for a title, but he would have easily been one fight away from a title. So I think he felt a lot of pressure there and he wanted to get back quickly in the UFC. Dana White spoke with him and said, Hey man, just chill out, take care of your health. We'll have a fight for you. Don't worry. You know, we value you as, as as one of our top prospects. So he did that, and now he's back, and he's finding a guy that 
is going to give him the fight he wants. I mean, this guy, like you say, he's got good power on the feet. Of course, Chemayev is going to want to avoid that. But other than that, he doesn't offer anything else. He, he struggles in the grappling department. Um, he's, you know, he does have a tough strength of schedule, but he struggles with wrestlers and Chemayev can, is the best of both worlds. He's, he's a, he's a grappler, he's a wrestler, and then he's also a striker on the feet. So I, I feel like Chemayev is just going to run through this guy. So many betting angles you can go. First off, Chemayev inside the distance is like minus 175, 200. Obviously, that's better than laying minus 500 or 600, whatever he ends up getting to. The submission route that you laid out, love that, plus 225. Or you can also take him in the first round is like plus 175. You can take him in the second round, which is like plus 400, 430. You can take him by knockout, which is plus 170. I mean, all those angles are are, are great. This fight is not going to go the distance. Chamayev is going to style on this guy, and I would not be surprised. I'm probably going to sprinkle on the first round is what I'm going to probably end up doing is taking Chamayev in the first round and then also taking him by either knockout or or by submission. I have to figure that out. But, yeah, I think this is – I think the UFC set Chamayev up to to show out and uh, to show everyone like, hey, man, I, I'm back. So, uh, yeah, I got Chamayev in, in a dominant, in dominant fashion. Yeah, I could see that kind of going your way there, Gene, for sure. And and as you had mentioned, there's a lot of different ways that that one could end. And, uh, you know, sprinkling a little bit here, a little bit there, uh, certainly, you know, isn't a bad way to go. Let's jump into Alexander Volkov. He's going to go ahead. He's going to take on uh, Marcin Tabura. Volkov here, Gene, minus 300. You know, Volkov's a bigger, stronger, faster, uh, better cardio, and everybody's probably just going to jump on Volkov, right? Um, I'm not. This is going to be the one dog that I'm going to take. Uh, it's going to be Tybura. I think he's game, and I think, you know, we see a lot of action, you know, come in here probably on Volkov on, on fight day, and I have to wonder, you know, if the losses that he's got on his resume as of late, you know, kind of creep into his mind. Tybura, you know, he's on a nice streak. He's beaten a bunch of the same guys that Volkov has, and Tybura, in my opinion, he knows that this is his one chance to work his way right back up the ladder, and he's been doing a nice job of that. And you have to wonder, Gene, you know, if he does get into W here, you know, who is in line for him next? I think that could also be an intriguing matchup as well. You know, Tybura does have power, and that is probably what he's going to need to go ahead and get this one done. So I'm not going to get too crazy with this one, Gene. I'm looking for a dog somewhere on here, and I believe that Tybura uh, is a guy that kind of fits the mold here. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to fade the big favorite in Volkov, a guy that I've backed before. He's, he's actually, I don't believe he's let me down. Uh, but maybe like one time, but I'm going to go ahead, Gene. I'm going to take Tybura. You can get him right around plus 250 uh, to go ahead and spring the upset. So I'll go ahead. I'll do that. How you see in Volkov, Tybura? So this is the one we're going to disagree on. We don't disagree a lot on these on these podcasts, but um, this is one I have to disagree. Um, you know, I definitely feel like Tybura is a live dog for sure. You know, he he's three to five in a row. I should know this. I, I think it's, I think I want to say it's five in a row. But my issue with it is it's against lesser competition. Um, it's against guys that, honestly, some of them aren't in the UFC anymore. Some of them shouldn't even be in the UFC. He's getting those victories, which he should be getting. But and just run through a couple of names, you know, he Spivak, Spivak's, you know, solid, I guess. Grishin, Rothwell, you know, Rothwell's at the end of his career. Greg Hardy gassed, you know, he should have beat Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy was beating him until Greg Hardy ended up gassing on the ground. And then Walt Harris, you know, Walt Harris is kind of a middling fighter um, and one dimensional. 
and, and a lot of these guys that he's fighting too aren't wrestlers, you know, um, or aren't, don't have good takedown defense. And so he's able to beat them. And the one thing I will say to, to agree with you, he's looked good. Like he, he's had a resurgence in his career because he was kind of middling there. You know, he'd win a couple, then lose a couple, then win a couple, lose a couple. And man, he's gone on this run. And I was correct. He has won five in a row. And so, and that's why he's getting Volkov here. You know, Volkov is one of the top, you know, top six fighters in, in the heavyweight division. And so that's why he's, he's pulled him. Um, but my issue here in just in this matchup is that Volkov is a very, very good um, fighter in general, but he's good at, with his takedown defense. Um, he did get taken down 14, 15 times against Curtis Blades. I have to bring that up, but Curtis Blades is literally one of the best wrestlers in all of the UFC and he is the best wrestler in in the heavyweight division. I mean, no one's stopping that guy from taking you down. And even in that fight, he in the fifth round, he almost finished Curtis Blades because Curtis Blades had, had gas. So we do know that Volkov can last. There's no cardio issues. And then on the feet, he's just gotten better. You know, he has a huge frame. He's big for the division. Uh, he has big power. He's the taller, longer fighter, you know, you know more reach, or pardon me, longer reach. And he's fought the better competition. Um, I, the thing I love about him on the feet, he, he's very accurate with his power, and he likes to stay at range. And, and Ty Burra typically has had issues with that, with, with fighters that can stay at range and, and touch him up. Like He gets rocked in a lot of his fights, but he's able to weather that storm. We'll see if he's able to do that against Volkov. Again, these lines are killing me. I mean, the last pay-per-view – um, I did really well. Um, I think I went four and one. I almost, I almost swept the board and it was, there was a lot of lines. I, I love those low lines, close fights. Cause I feel like I, I have the advantage in the sense of, you know, I know these fighters, I know their fight styles. And when the line's close, I feel like, okay, I can pick, I can pick the, the fighter that's going to win. When you have these massive lines like this, like, yeah, I think Volkov's going to win, but it's tough to, to lay 300 because if there is that upset, man, you're, you're behind the eight ball laying, laying big units like that. So it's super frustrating because I feel like I have a good read on this card, but a lot of these lines are super, super inflated. So, and this is one of them. So I would love if Volkov was down in the minus two fifties, two twenty fives. I would jump on him because I, I feel like, I feel like he's winning this fight. I, I really don't feel like Tybura has that big of a chance. If he gets Volkov down, Volkov has been controlled on the ground um, in his career, but that was earlier in his career. I feel like he's kind of he's kind of fixed that that hole in his game. So um, I don't fault you for taking Ty Burrow. I don't fault, fault you as we go through this card taking a lot of underdogs, except that you know Lee in the last fight against Chamayev. No way I take that. But moving forward, we'll, we'll start talking about all of these underdogs are, are live dogs. So I don't fault you for taking Ty Burrow, but personally, I got Volkov. I think he's going to do it by knockout. I think he's going to knock Tyburo out within the three rounds. All right, so me and Gene on opposite sides on that one. I can't fault you there, Gene, you know, and it makes it fun for you and I uh, to actually end up on opposite sides sometimes because we can go ahead and kind of text back and forth and, you know, we get to pound our chest every every now and again at each other. So, that, that you know, that's always fun. Let's jump over to the next one here, Gene. We got Islam Makachev. He's going to go ahead. He's going to fight Dan Hooker. Uh, Makachev is going to be minus 625, Gene. Here comes another uh, big favorite. I'm going to play Makachev to go ahead and win this one by submission plus 225. Uh, I don't think Makachev for 
you know, this particular pay-per-view wants to grind out some kind of decision. If you watch the press conference, uh, he mentioned that he wanted to go ahead and have a, a big statement win. And I believe at some point, you know, in the second and the third, uh, he's probably going to go for that big statement win, you know, more than a few times. You know, Hooker's game, I can't take anything away from him. I mean, he is a tough dude, but I believe this is a different level of ground fighter for him. And look, Hooker can, you know, hold his own on the ground, but I just don't believe he is too you know, this type of level. What I'm going to do is I'll probably throw a half unit on him to go ahead and win by submission here. And that's probably all I'm going to do for this fight. I just don't think, you know, that that this one is, is super competitive. You have to wonder if he ends up getting, you know, the loser of, of the Gaethje Chandler fight, or if they potentially might stick him with somebody like Dariush, you know, in the future. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this one goes, but uh, I believe Makachev shows out here. I don't think this goes to diff- distance, and I don't believe that Dan Hooker uh, gets his hand raised. One way or another, Makachev, I, th- I believe he ends this one early and ends up by submission. How are you seeing that one? Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I definitely think this is a, a statement fight for Makachev. And, and quickly, to shift to Hooker, I, I have to hand it to Hooker for making the sacrifice, You know, staying in the States and, and away from his family. He, he had just recently fought um, and won less than a month ago and he's obviously coming over from Australia slash New Zealand. And so he's got to quarantine and do all that stuff. And he comes over to the States, he gets that win. And instead of going back home, you know, the UFC asked him to take a short notice fight against Makachev, who's a killer. I mean, so Makachev was supposed to fight Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos got hurt, pulled out and Dan Hooker steps up. And I, I have to hand it to this guy to, to stay away from your family for, you know, over a month and probably two months when you when you break down the the quarantine that he's gonna have to do when he goes back to Australia and New Zealand. It, it's insane. And it, you like seeing that out of fighters. Uh, unfortunately for him, you know, he he picked the wrong guy, but I give him I give him credit because, you know, a lot of people don't want to fight Makachev. And so for him to step up on such short notice to fight Makachev shows the balls that he's got and shows that he's a true fighter, quote unquote. Um, and for Makachev, I'm just happy that he's getting a, a top six guy, top seven guy in Dan Hooker because everyone ducks this guy. Makachev is is the understudy of Khabib Nurmagomedov. A lot of people feel like he's better than Khabib Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov has said that he's better than him. Um, people inside the gym says that he's a better wrestler, better fighter than Nurmagomedov. So the sky's the limit with this guy. I fall into that category. I think this guy is a lock. Like, you you know, check the tape, mark it down here, you know, on the, on the 29th of October. This dude is going to win the lightweight title, and he's going to dominate like Khabib dominated this guy. But the thing that's that I like about him versus Khabib, he can actually strike on the feet. Whereas Khabib was rudimentary on the feet, he can land a couple big punches. But for the most part, you already know what he was trying to do. He's going to get you to the ground and just and wet blanket, not wet blanket you in the sense of being born, but just he wasn't going to let you up and he was going to finish you. Um, Islam Makachev is the same on the ground, but on the feet, he can actually strike. He's a, He has some decent striking. It's improving. So um, the sky's the limit for this kid. And He's in Abu Dhabi. He's in front of his people. He's going to want to show out. He's fighting a, a top seven guy in Dan Hooker. A win over Dan Hooker, like you said, might give him the shot against the the loser or winner of the of the of the Chandler versus Gaethje. He, he's in the top five finally. He's right there. He's one or two fights away from the title, and so he's going to want to make it. He's he's going to want to have a statement win here. So I'm with you. I feel like he's going to get a submission here. 
Dan Hooker has always had trouble on the ground. Dan Hooker uses a lot of kicks. So it's like, you know, in, in this match, when you break it down, it's like Dan, Dan Hooker, yeah, you have the length. Yeah, you can strike on the feet. But if you look at his last fight, he used the knees and the kicks a lot. He likes to do that a lot. You don't want to do that against Makachev. Makachev is just going to catch one of those kicks, take you down. He's not going to let you up. And Dan Hooker's, like I said, he's had issues with guys taking him down, and he can be held down. Um, he, he's active. He'll move around. But that's just going to allow Makachev to cinch up a, a submission on him. So for Dan Hooker, it's KO or bust. That's it. That's the only route to victory for him. He's not winning a decision, and um, and he's not going to finish Makachev. Um, so I got Makachev. I'm with you. I love I love the inside the distance with the submission. I love inside the distance in general, and uh, Makachev all day. And I might honestly, man, I'm probably going to throw him in a parlay because he. I feel like it's a guaranteed win with this guy. Anytime he fights, it's almost like I know John Jones and Israel. Israel just lost. John Jones had a couple close decisions, but. It's almost to that point with those type of fighters where it's like it's a guarantee. You know, I say Valentina Shevchenko. That's a better example. Valentina Shevchenko steps in that ring. You know she's winning. There's no question. And that's how it is with Makachev. So I might get crazy and lay the big price on him. But I I do think the better value would be is taking him um, inside the distance in general and then inside the distance uh, via submission. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you could attack that one, Gene, and save yourself. You know, going ahead late minus, you know, 625, but would like minus 1,000 or minus 2,000 scary off the guy, even if even if that was the number? Like, I believe that, th- that a lot of people will will look at a bunch of dogs here just because that some of these guys are overpriced, but this is the one fight that I don't feel is overpriced at all. It's probably underpriced. They probably just don't want to end up with being super lopsided on, on somebody like Dan Hooker where, you know, we give him credit, you know, he, he's always live in every fight. And give him credit for even taking this thing. But, you know, he cemented himself in where, you know, he can go up and take on some of these big name guys to lose. And it's not like he's, you know, going to end up diminishing his career, you know, with, with a loss here. So I think the line could even be higher. This is the one fight that I actually think one of the favorites, you know, could be so much higher. Uh, I just I don't see how this one's really all that competitive. Uh, the next one should be really good, too. We have Petra Jan. Uh, he's going to be minus 220 here, Gene. He's going to take on Corey Sanhagen. I'll go first on this one. I got to go back to when Jan, you know, fought Sterling. And Gene, uh, Jan was, I mean, if you watch the same fight I did, he was taking over that fight before, you know, the DQ knee. But, you know, Jan's, he's a little, he's a tough dude, man. And Sanhagen, you know, he's tactical. He'll throw some nasty kicks, nasty knees, elbows. But I think you you have to get Jan kind of on the button. And the odds for Sanhagen... At the current price right now, it's just they're not enough for me to go ahead and, and, and take them here. You know, Sanhagen has some holes. I think Dillashaw, you know, sh- showed some of that. And and the fact that Sanhagen couldn't get by Dillashaw, you know, after that long layoff, it, that, that's a little concerning. I think that there's a little bit of a worry for me. And I do believe that Jan wants to come out here and prove himself, especially after a DQ. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't look good. Um, he could have had the title and it would have been over and done with. You know, Sanhagen, he might wear down here a little bit, but Jan, uh, I believe, eventually will get Sanhagen down. Um, Sanhagen will probably get sloppy. I, I think this could end in KO. It could end submission. But I'm probably going to end up putting Jan here, Gene, uh, with Chemaev, and I can get that at, like, minus 150, and I feel that that's a pretty good parlay, uh, using Jan and Chemaev together in a parlay at minus 150. So um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not sure how you see that fight, but that's kind of my thoughts on that one. 
Yeah, I'm expecting a striking clinic here. These are two of the best strikers in the UFC, and they play chess for five rounds. Uh, both these guys use their their movement really well. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, Jan, it still bothers me, man. That that it was one of my bigger bets this year against Aljamain Sterling because every it was it was a pick 'em fight. Everyone was at Aljamain Sterling because of his grappling and discounting Peter Jan. They felt like he couldn't grapple. Jan destroyed the guy ultimately. I know it was close at the very beginning, but then he was running away with it and then threw that ridiculous knee. I don't know what he was thinking. It was a brain fart. You know, you can't do that. You know, there's no excuse. You can't do that. He lost his title because of that, you know. So, but I'm happy that he's getting a chance right now to to fight for the interim title and and lock himself into a potential title fight against, or pardon me, a rematch against Aljamain Sterling. So, um, or potentially the the full title of Aljamain doesn't come back. Is I'll be real with you. Seems like Sterling is is kind of ducking Jan a little bit. I'll be real with you. He, he say he says he's not. Just kind of weird how this went down. How the fight was booked. He felt like he was cleared the fight, and then all of a sudden he has issues with his neck. Then there's photos and videos of him out there training with his training partners, and you know he's in there hard sparring with the guy. And it's like, hey man, if you can't take this fight against against uh, Jan the rematch, like because of your neck, what are you doing training with your, with your partner, with your training partner sparring that hard? I, I didn't get it. it there's, just, there's just a lot of stuff that surrounds that fight that really bothers me, especially with Sterling. I think he's a good fighter, but it just really bothered me, the antics uh, around that fight. So let me get back to this. When it comes to this matchup in particular, listen, Sanhagen is amazing. He's going to have a three-inch three, three, um, three inch reach advantage. He's very active. He uses his fakes and feints a ton. And he's the thing I love about him, he's a very smart fighter. The guy, he, he sets traps with his opponents. Um, he loves a strike, obviously. He doesn't want the fight to go to the ground. But he's fighting a guy in Jan that Jan is just better on the feet. The guy is crisp. He has, he's great. He has a great high guard. Uh, so he's hard to hit. His movement is, is incredible. His, his The angles are incredible. He does a really good job of cutting off the cage and kind of cornering his opponent. And then when he's he corners him, he does a great job of, of working the body. He has a, a great and powerful left hook that he uses as a counter when he's shelling up. You know, his opponent feels like they're they're getting the best of the exchanges, and he comes over the top with a crazy, you know, power, powerful left hook. Um and then the thing for me, which this is this is the X factor in this fight, he can grapple, he can wrestle. He took Aljamain Sterling, who is the gra- Aljamain Sterling is a, is a decorated wrestler. That was that was how he was going to win that fight, according to everyone. Was Aljamain was just going to wrestle Jan for five rounds, and Jan ended up taking Aljamain down and wrestling him for three and a half or four rounds. So. Um, and this, and Corey Sanhagen has had issues with this. You know, Aljamain Sterling ran through him like a hot knife through butter and submitted uh, Sanhagen. Do I see Jan submitting Sanhagen? No, I don't. But if Jan is gets into trouble on the feet, because Sanhagen is super dangerous, he has ridiculous kicks um, and 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 a beautifully beautifully timed knees as well. If he feels like he's getting into trouble, he can grapple with him and, and potentially take Sanhagen down, and, and he'll have some success in that department. So um, I feel like Jan's got him covered everywhere. The only thing, the only caveat I will say is that Jan, even with his high guard, he does kind of duck his head a little bit. And Sanhagen is amazing with his knees up the middle. Like he's caught so many people with knees up the middle. He caught Dillashaw in the last fight a bunch of times with the knee up the middle. 
Um, Dillashaw just had it was just tough. had a had a had a um, a strong chin and was able to take it. And it, in talking about strong chins, Jan's not getting knocked out unless it's some flash, some he doesn't see with like a spinning kick. Jan is super tough. He can take he can take the shots. And the last thing I'll say, I know I'm jumping around with Jan. Um, the one thing I'll say uh, about Jan is he's super smart, man. So he might start slow, and you saw that in the Sterling fight. He started slow. Sterling took that first round. But as the fight went on, Jan just started shutting him out, shutting him out, shutting him out. And that's what happens in all of Jan's fights. It's like he's a cerebral fighter. He he takes what, what you give him in that first first round, this you know, half of the second round, and then he flips it on you. And he ends up just dominating you and shutting you down as the fight goes on. This is a five-round fight. I expect, you know, Jan's easily going to last. The guy has an incredible gas tank. And I feel like he's going to end up just wearing down Corey Sanhagen. And I think it ends up going to a decision, though. I, I don't think it's a finish. Um, Sanhagen is is tough. He's durable. Jan is ridiculously tough and durable. So I just feel like it's going to be a chess match where Jan gets the better of that chess match and uh, ends up getting his hand raised with a, uh, a decision victory. And getting the interim title and setting up that rematch against uh, Sterling. All right. A lot of good points there, Gene. You know, this, I feel like we could probably talk just about the Sterling fight for, you know, 20 minutes. And I think you're right too. I, I don't think Sterling wants any part of Jan after what happened in that fight. Like you saw like the turn of the tide in that fight. And it was like, uh Oh, and I don't remember if you and I were on opposite sides or if we were on the same side, but I do remember that, you know, that the result, Actually, I think I had Jan and you had Sterling, and you and you were like, "Man, like that knee killed me, man." No, no, I I had Jan for sure. All right, then I had Sterling. So I one of I think we were on opposite sides. But I, I know one of us ended up on on the wrong end, I believe, of that fight. But um, it'll be interesting. But I agree with you know a lot of the things that you said there, and you know you and I are, are kind of on the same page with that one. Let's jump over to the main event here, Gene. We have Jan Blahovich. He's going to fight Glover Teixeira. Uh, Vlahovich right now, minus 305. A lot of big prices here, Gene, as I mentioned. Here's another one. I don't know if you could find yourself getting a Teixeira here, Gene. I think that's the question. But, look, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that are going to bet him. And there's a lot of a lot of fighters that, that have predicted that he's going to win this fight. I'm not sure. I'm on the sidelines. I'm actually passing this one, Gene. So I'm going to leave this one up to you. What do you got? Man, again, it's super frustrating, this, this line. I wish it was smaller. Um, the, both these fighters defy father time. You know, you have 38-year-old Jan Blahovich, the champion, and you have 43-year-old, the challenger, and, and Glover Teixeira. It's, it's crazy. Both of these guys have gotten better with age. They're you know, like a fine wine. Um, and Glover Teixeira, you know, 43, has, has rattled off five straight wins. And his last fight was pretty impressive. He almost got knocked out two times, was able to weather the storm and ended up submitting um, or ended up finishing um, uh, Tiago Santos. So, um, man, it's, it's a tough fight because both these guys are fan favorites. I love both these guys. I would love to see Glover Teixeira win. Is Glover Teixeira a live dog? 100%. You know, he, yeah, he's a live dog, man. He, he's good on the ground. He, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And that's typically how he wins a lot of his fights is on the ground. And, uh, so coming in, in this fight, it was like I immediately when this fight was booked, I started leaning towards Glover Teixeira because I felt like I took him against Santos as a big underdog, and I took him by submission. So I had a pretty I had a pretty nice night, and so I wanted to ride that into this fight. It's like, hey man, he's on a run, but man, Jan Blahovich, 
he has been unbelievable, man. I mean, unbelievable. Talk about a guy turning around his career. I mean, this guy was, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, knock a guy out that he gets knocked out. It was just, just kind of middling, you know. He was, he was, he was just, yeah, he was just one of those, one of those light heavyweights that okay, he he he's there, he's in the division, nothing special. But boy, has he turned it on, and 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 no more evident was that last fight against Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya, you just tell you right here, is going to end up going down as one of the greatest um, UFC fighters of all time, potentially one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time when it's all said and done, when his career is over. And he ended up, you know, kind of thoroughly beating Israel Adesanya. Granted, Israel was moving up, was a smaller fighter, but still it was very impressive what he did against Israel Adesanya. And and now he fights a an aging fighter in Teixeira that's dangerous for sure with his ground game. But here's the thing with Jan Blachowicz, crazy stat. He's only been taken down a couple of times, um, and it's disputable one, two times in five years. Um, the, the guy's ridiculous with his takedown defense. He he had issues earlier in his career. He sure sure that up. And and in this fight, that's Glover Teixeira's. That's what he's going to have to do because on the feet, I don't I don't think. Glover Teixeira is going to be able to hang with Blahovich on the feet. Blahovich has nasty, nasty body kicks, heavy body kicks. He has legit knockout power. He has good movement. He he uses angles really well as well. Um, he's better, like I said, with the takedown defense. He's really good with his hips. And you know, Glover Teixeira is an ace at taking guys down. But I feel like Blahovich is going to do enough to to keep this fight standing. Glover Teixeira on his end, he's definitely got power on the feet. He's a smart fighter, veteran savvy. He's tough, durable. Even though he he does get rocked, I, I, I want to say this, he is tough and durable. As I said, in that Tiago Santos, he almost got knocked out two times, first round and the third round. He was able to weather the storm, but he gets rocked though. That's the one thing is old age. He gets rocked. He gets hurt. Uh, it's crazy that he holds on. He got rocked against Anthony Smith as well, and then ended up coming back and just dominating, viciously beating Anthony Smith. So as as long as Jan Blahovich can just get him out of there. He should be fine. Um, you know, the value is on Glover. I, I don't I don't fault anyone taking the plus 200 or whatever it is on, on Glover to share. But I just, I, Blahovich is just, he's coming to his own now. He's he's legitimately one of the, the better fighters in the UFC. He's legitimately the best light heavyweight. And um, I feel like he's going to end up knocking Glover to share out. So, for this fight, I got Jan Blahovich winning, and I confidently have Jan Blahovich winning inside the distance. And I'm also going to sprinkle on Jan Blahovich by knockout. I think I think he knocks Glover Glover out. As I already list, as I already said, Glover's been rocked in numerous fights. Even though he's on a five fight win streak, he's been rocked in in, in a few of those fights. So I, I think Blahovich ends up finishing him uh, inside the distance. All right. Well, I'm glad you went ahead and you broke that down the way you did, Gene, because I didn't want to fall for the uh, for the feel good story with Teixeira. And look, I mean, give him credit. You know, the guy's a he's a true warrior, but I certainly didn't want to fall for that feel good story. I, I lean to your side there with Jan uh, for sure. But I just I watched too many, uh, you know, fight predictions on this one and it, it, it kind of clogged my mind. But I'm glad you kind of talked me out of that one. Uh, but with that, that's it, guys. That'll wrap up the pod for uh, UFC 267. Big shout out to Gene for going ahead, jumping on, and providing all his insight. You guys know where to find us on Twitter. You guys can get me at Sleepy Janner Score Pregame. You can get Gene at Mean Gene Double Zero Twenty Two. You guys can find us at TheBettingPredators.com and at Pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for UFC 267. Enjoy the fights.